Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Sports Sprint here on this Wednesday, May the 4th, 2022. May the 4th be with you, for you Star Wars fans out there. Um, good to have you all here for our middle-week show. Got a lot to get to. A uh, lot of act, a lot of sports action over the last couple of days, particularly with the NBA playoffs. The NHL playoffs got underway. Won't do a lot with that today. We'll probably save that for Friday. But we already had a three overtime game, and it's been been good. The game's been good. So NHL fans are in their glories, right? Because that really the ho- hockey, the playoffs are where it's at. I mean, playoff hockey is the best. It really is. That's to me. Uh, it's, 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 you know, we talk about the best sporting events, you know, we talk about the NCAA tournament, the Super Bowl, um, you know, World Series, and that, I mean, NHL playoffs, I mean, obviously they're the championship for that particular sport, but I did just have so much drama. I think that, that, you know, again, the games are so competitive and there's always so much intensity. I just love it. I love it. And we're only a couple days in and already it's been good. So we'll get into some of that later on this week. But NHL playoffs underway, so you got that that, that action going on. Baseball season in full swing. Got a lot of good action there. We haven't really done a lot with baseball, but we'll be doing that in the next couple over the next week or so, we're going to get into. Uh, I said that we about a month in, we'd probably do a full season preview. We will do that probably next week, but we will get to that. But we, you know, right now everything's just you know we had the NFL draft last week, and there's a couple other NFL stories that you know I think are probably worth getting to right now. And so we will do a little bit with that today. There's an interesting Ryan Tannehill story out there that we have to get to, uh, based off some comments he made yesterday, and we will get into that later on in the show today. But most of the show is going to kind of focus on what we've been focusing on, the NBA playoffs, because that's where so much of what's going on in the sports world is is kind of fo- focused on. You know, there's a lot going on, you know, and, and you know, as we go further into these playoffs, the intensity is going to keep ratcheting up. And we're seeing that um, in all the series, but most notably, I say the warriors Grizzly series, is, and that's where we're going to start today. We'll start with that and then go into the Celtics and the uh, Bucks, and then get to some of the other series uh, and see where they're at right now. So we will start with the NBA playoff. Before we get into that, before we get into all of that action and intensity and drama that's going along with those NBA, with the NBA playoffs right now, let's set, set the stage, as we always do. First off, I remind you all of the ways which you can interact and contribute to the show and have your voice, where you can do so by emailing us at the sportsprint at gmail.com. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you can interact with us. People that's going off the show and have access to additional content when producer posts. Just search for the sportsprint on Facebook and Twitter so you can do all of that and more. All right, so like I said, we will start with the NBA playoffs. Um... And, you know, obviously, as you go further into the playoff, the intensity is going to become more and more. And if you're in a series with a rival, you're going to have that, you know, the intensity is just going to be, is going to be there to stay. Um, and it might get ratcheted up more and more. Um, but then there are times when you go into a series, and yeah, there's intensity, but, it, it, you know, there's other things that happen that ramp up that intensity. And that's exactly what's happened with this Warriors Grizzlies series. You know, what started on, on Sunday, and we talked about on Monday a lot about the officiating in that series, which wasn't great. Um, I mean, the refs tried every, and again, you don't want to favoritize any team, but the refs tried every which way to, to, to give the game away to the Grizzlies. Uh, and Golden State won despite that. Um, completely different feel in game two. You know, completely different feel in game two. Um, you know, a lot was made of the Draymond Green fragrant two in the first game. And we all we all agreed, and, and it, it wasn't a fragrant two. It was only that it was a fragrant two and an injection based on Draymond Green's reputation. He accepted that, and we and most people accepted that reasoning, whether you like it or not. I, I don't, you know, whether we agree that that was a fragrant two or not. We understand the reason why it was that was because of who, who it was called on. Other people might not have gotten that call on them because they they don't have the history that Draymond Green does, and we all know that. So that kind of I think set the stage 
for what we got last night in game two. Now, look, Memphis has been known to play physical, okay? But I think it's important to note, and I think this gets lost, this is a very inexperienced team. They're a very young team. Nobody expected them to make the jump that they did this year, okay? And don't think that they don't know that they probably should not have won their previous playoff series against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They know they got, they deserve to lose that series. And I think that, and then, and, you know, and then you lose game one when Draymond Green is pretty much out for most of that game. And they hear all the, all the talk. The referees were pretty much giving you the game and you still lost. And, uh, you, you know, they, they came into this game with a colossal chip on their shoulder. And I think they came into this game with something to prove, saying, "No, we don't want any. We don't want. Be, make a, we don't want it to feel like anything's being handed to us." Like you know, in the last series, I think there was this feeling, "Oh, Minnesota lost that series. Memphis didn't win it." And then obviously in Game One, a lot of people felt like the officials were trying to give away the game to the Memphis Grizzlies. So I think there's a part of Memphis that's like, you know what? People don't feel like we're earning anything right now. People feel like we're not capable. People, there's a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove themselves. So I think they came into that game with a chip on their shoulder. They knew they needed to win. Because it's obviously, otherwise you go back to Golden State 0-2 and good luck. They knew they had to have the game. And this is a physical team, so obviously they felt like, you know what, we have to be that, but we have to up it. We have to be on top of our game. We have to, we have to, we have to, we, we have to, you know, we have to take it to them. Now, does that mean you play dirty? Does that mean you, you go out there and, 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 dist- and wreck everybody? No. This means that you, you know, you, you, you look at what you're seeing in the Bucks Celtics series. That's what you want to see. That kind of intensity, that kind of physicality, that kind of defense, that kind of thing. That's what you want to see. Unfortunately, that's not what we saw last night. Now, obviously, the Dylan Brooks play on Draymond Green, I mean, on Gary Payton, the, the, the second, is the one that everyone's going to talk about. You know, Steve Kerr last night said that the code, the so-called code between players was broken. That you don't try to injure, a, there's an unspoken code that you don't make a move that 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 can endanger a player or injure a player. And, they, and Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors clearly feel that Dylan Brooks did that last night when he made that play on Gary Payton as he was driving to the basket. As you all saw by now, he, 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 he went after Gary Payton, the uh, junior, Took his arm, you know, he struck Gary's head, sending him to the floor, and of course Gary landed and fractured his elbow. He's probably done for the year, I'd imagine. Fractured elbow, I think you're done. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And it's unfortunate because this is a guy that was just coming into his own and was one of those players that go and stay with lies on and maybe come off the bench and give you something, something good. He was finally coming into his own. So it's, it's, a, it's a bummer. And you could see how deflated the Golden State Warriors were over that. He's, he's very well-liked, and a lot of people feel like he was just coming into his own, and he took this guy out on a play that really, you know, w- was that kind of physicality needed? Did you did, did Dylan Brooks need to do that? No. But I think there's a there you, you have to be careful because dirt, when you say something is play or, you know, excessive, and this was excessive, but 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 was it intentional? And I don't believe it was. I don't think. And, and when, if it's not intentional, you can't call it dirty. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't. 
Now, look, Steve Kerr has to protect his, his player, and the Golden State Warriors are going to protect their teammates. So I have absolutely no issue with what they said. And they're going to use it as a rallying cry, and that's fine. You can use that as motivation. You should. It's like Memphis tried to use what happened in game one as a rallying cry. You should. That's fine. But I don't believe what Dylan Brooks did was dirty or intentional. I think it was accidental. I, I watched uh, in the inside uh, NBA guys on TNT last night, and I think what most of them said was true. Was it in theory breaking the so-called code? Was there? Yes, I think I think in theory it was because you didn't need to make that play like that. You and, and look, I understand here the moment, split second. Sometimes you can't think it through. That that you can think through. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know, elevate your arm like that and just and just haul back and throw your arm like that. You don't need to do that. You can just make a play on the ball and foul the guy. When you do that, you're pretty much you're pretty much intending to make a hard foul. And that's what that, again, a lot of people, a lot of guys do that. You go in there with the intent to create a hard foul. You want the guy to feel it. You want him to feel, you know, think twice about, you know, going to the, go attack of the basket or going into the lane. Even if it's a, you know, going, even if it's a fast break, you want them to think twice. You want to get inside their head. So you go in there with the intent to, 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 to foul them hard. But there's fouling hard and then there's doing that. And when you haul back your arm like that, that's excessive. And that's why, in theory, it's kind of breaking the code. But it's, I think it's such a, I'm not going to say it's a gray area, but it, it's not, I think this is one of those weird topics where it's not so easy just to label it dirty. Because I don't, I think what Dylan Brooks intended to do was just follow him hard. I don't think there was intent to injure. There was intent to just make sure you knew what you were doing, to make sure you knew that they, this was not going to be e as easy as that moment was going to be for you. You know, okay, at that moment you're getting easy way into the basket, but you're trying to tell that guy that guy that person goes to the basket. You're trying to tell him or show him that it's not going to be like that all game. You're going to have to put up with them. You're going to have some defense there that's going to come come at you and come at you hard. It's not going to be easy to get to that basket. You're trying to send a message. He just did it in, in, in an excessive way. So the, the call itself was right. That was more of a fragrant two than what Draymond Green did. So the call was right. But the label of, of, of him doing this intentionally and this dirty is wrong. Because to me, if something's dirty, if it's a dirty play, it's done intentionally. And I don't believe he did. He just, he, Dylan Brooks is not a dirty player. He does not do these things. That was just a hard foul gone wrong. And in theory, it breaks the so-called cold. And it is a flagrant, too. But I don't think it's intentional. I don't think he went in there with the idea of trying to break somebody's elbow, okay, or trying to hurt somebody that badly. And it's unfortunate it happened. So I don't, but again, I understand why Kerr and the Warriors are saying what they are. They have to defend their team and they have to defend their play. I get that. So I don't have an issue with them. I don't have any issue with them at all. But if you really look at it, I don't see how you call that dirty or intentional.
And, and, by, and by, let me just clarify this before somebody says, well, it's intentional. He obviously meant to follow him hard. Yes, he did. That was intentional. He did intend to follow him hard. Yes. But did he intend to injure? No. Well, he's going to follow him. Anytime you, anytime you decide to follow somebody hard, there is, there, in, in the back of your mind, it's, it qualifies as intention. No, it doesn't. You can go up there and knock someone. You're, all you're thinking is you're going to knock somebody over. And, I, and again, I understand that could lead to injury. But so can so many other things in the game that are innocent. It was intent to injure there. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm just giving a guy that has no history with the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes guys can do it for the first time. That's, that's the beginning of it. You know, I don't know. But to me, I don't call something dirty unless there's intent to injure. When you take somebody out on the on your like going to you know going to the back and you you cover the knee down or something like that. That you know things like that can be seen as dirty. Because that, that, there's no way in shape or form that there's not going to lead to an injury and stuff like that. You know, there are things that are, are, are there's no way, there's no way that they lead to injury, and that, that's intended to injury. And that's dirty. But in that play, you could easily just say, all right, he called the other arm going for the ball, so he it was which is why it's called fragrant. And he meant to foul him hard, but he never meant to injure him. You can foul hard by injury. And I think that's what he was trying to do. Now the thing is, obviously this is going to escalate things. I mean, here's everything that happened in game one with the officials and Draymond Fragrant and everything else. And now this. On top of the fact that this was fouled up by Draymond Green and the elbow to the face, with bleeding, swollen eye, and of course him, you know, giving a middle finger to the crowd, which, you know, Strong goes to hurt his post-game comments. He didn't seem to care about the foul. He didn't care about any of that. He said, look, they're, you know, they're, probably, they're probably cheering because they know I'm going to get a five. I really don't care. I can afford it. Now, I mean, if you follow his comments, obviously, you know, he knows what he's saying. He knows what he's doing. He feels like, he feels, you know, obviously, you know how he feels about the damn Brooks play. Like, most of the most of the He's very bundled and honest. And he took that five. Yeah, I don't have any issue. I don't even want to, I didn't want to go and say, where is that?
people that feel like John Morant only did that because one of the best defenders is on the state. Gary Payne was out of the game because what happened? Now look, here's the thing. If there's a job that Gary Payne Jr. has done, he wasn't going to be in the game the whole game on John Morant. Obviously, he's done a good job on him. Going to two games, I mean, he was only in one game in three minutes. Like, let's not act like he's, I mean, the, 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 the best defender of all time here, all right? I mean, what he did was good, but there's other guys on his team that can defend him. Is he one of their best defenders? Yes, he could have long, yeah. By acting like that's the only reason why John Moran scored 47 is, 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 is not accurate, all right? Gary Payne, Gary Payne Jr. would not have played a lot of that game. You would have got a lot of minutes, but he wouldn't so no, I don't. I don't believe that's the only reason why John Moran went off for forty-seven points. There are other guys that could have handled the assignment and did a good job. I would say the, the, the bigger reason why Golden State lost last night because I thought uh, physically they matched up better in this game in game one, and they handled everything better in, in this game in game one. As far as what the defense. They just didn't make enough shots. You know, Clay Thompson had 12. He was 5 of 19. That can't happen. Curry had, I can live with that. Wiggins had 16. Not bad. You can live with that. Gary Payne had 6. Which, you know, I guess you can look at your hand. Gary Payne, he wasn't Gary Payne Jr. was a big, a big issue, obviously. But, you know, he had one point. But there's other guys with the bench that can do things. Kamonga, who I assume is going to get a lot of minutes, Gary Payne would have gotten now. He had 9. He could do better than that. You know, Jordan Fourth defense had 20. That's okay. But, you know, that's a little bit less than what he's been giving you. And if you're not going to get as much out of Jordan Poole, and you're not getting as much out of uh, Clay Thompson and Gary Payne Jr. down the game, that production has to go somewhere, and nobody else stepped up to make up that production. If, if anybody else stepped up, you might have once still won this game like he did, he did out like he did in game one. All right? All in all, I didn't think going to say play that bad bigger game. This didn't give up on Brooks because he wasn't in the game. But Bain needs to step up. And he did it. So if I'm Memphis, I, what I take away from this game is you can't just rely on John Moran scoring 47. Other guys have to do the job too. Well, you're not going to win this series. That's the same problem you had over in Minnesota. They're still not playing great. John played great last night. The rest of the team still not So they need to see some, they need to step up. And I think that's the thing, you know, the intensity is obviously ramped up and everybody's so focused on, you know, all the physicality and all the, all the back and forth there. But I think both teams have to kind of refocus and start performing better offensively and start doing their jobs. Because, yeah, you can, you can, you, can, you know, the intensity is fine, the back and forth is fine, and 
series. We all love it. We love the drama. Yo, George Cole's only gonna give you 20. Seth Curry's gonna give you 27. Other guys have to step up. So Golden State has to have some of these other guys step up offensively. But they have so far in these playoffs. Or they're gonna be in some trouble. And Memphis has not had other guys step up this entire postseason. This is why they almost lost in the first round. Other people have to step up besides John Wright. Dane has to find himself. And Brooks, obviously, when he's in the game, has to do his thing. You need better out of Memphis. Memphis has not looked like Memphis in this entire playoffs. So they gotta figure it out. They have to figure it out quick, or they're gonna be in some trouble. So it's great, you know. You know, back in, you know, just, I mean, look, we all nobody likes the ugliness of this series so far. But you know, physicality you expect in these playoffs, you expect the intensity and the back and forth, and that makes these some of these series entertaining. So you just don't hate for anybody to get hurt. Obviously, get entertained. I heard that's the natural stuff about this. He's a big loss for Golden State. I think, like I said before, I think Kamonga is going to take his minutes, and he's a good player. We'll, we'll see. What he, let's see if he steps up with this opportunity. He's had some good, good moments this year, so we'll see what he does. Well, you know, it's, you know, this intensity and the physicality, all that's all great, fine and good. But both these teams have have players that really, really, really need to step up and do more, and do more. And they are, particularly Memphis. Memphis, I try to get game three. Because I also think it benefits them to play from out in front. Because, because you know, they're, they're a young team, inexperienced. This game is starting to get really, really intense. And there's well, and both teams far more experienced. And they can deal with all this. So, game three, I think, should be very big. If, if both teams lose this game three, I'm still not, I'm not worried about them because they've been here before. Memphis, if they lose game three, I'm very worried about them. Big difference. This is We'll see what happens if the series moves to Golden 
people that care about that series as well. Um, the Suns and Mavericks got underway on Monday night, and it really wasn't that much of a surprise um, what happened. Um, you know, Luka was great. Um, the Suns, you know, the depth showed up. You know, we know that it's there. We've seen it, right? This, this, they're, they're one of those deep, those deep teams um, in the NBA. <clears throat> like the Bucks, like you know, the Celtics, like, um, you know, like the Warriors, those teams that can I kind of outlast you and, and you know, a lot to the table. Um, and the Suns did exactly that against the Mavericks. And they just kind of outlasted them. I mean, I thought the Mavericks played pretty well. But, 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 but 45, I don't even in this game. I mean, you can't rely on Luke if you were 45. As Jason Kidd said, other guys have to cut off. And, you know, you know, in the last in, in the against the Jazz. You had other guys like Brunson stepped up. Um, Benny Smith stepped up. You know, you had uh, Dinwiddie. You had, I mean, you had other guys step up. Now, now, you know, in this game, you had Cleaver with 19, Benny Smith with 15, Brunson only had 13, Luke had the 45. You need a little bit more than that. Other guys, you have to do a little bit more than that. You need a little bit more out of 13 out of Brunson. Um, you need a little bit more than 8 out of Dinwiddie. Okay. You have to do a little bit more. Now you might say, well, they scored 114 points. Yeah, that one because one person was crazy in terms of Otherwise, they wouldn't they weren't even close. Okay? And yeah, you're, you know, you know, you gave up 121 points. That means your defense wasn't nearly as good as it was in the first round. So your defense has to be done too. Because you need to do that all around. Luca did everything he could. They didn't work on him. But I got to step up and do a little more offensively. Defensively as a group, they need to be better than they were. They need to be more like they were in the have a lot of different options they can throw you. They're deep. Because some of these other teams are. My depth is such a big deal in today's game. Because these deeper playoff teams, yeah, they have stars. But they can keep throwing guys at you and they can kind of outlast you. That's exactly what, what the Phoenix did in this game. Um, exactly what Phoenix did in this game. Um, so I give them a lot of credit for the way they perform because I thought this was really Phoenix's best performance. Um, uh, best performance of these playoffs. I really believe that. I thought I thought they did a lot, a lot of things uh, defensively. As much as I like to rag on on Dallas, um, um, as long as I, much as I like to rag on Dallas for okay not doing enough offensively, you gotta give some credit. Sometimes you have to give credit to defense too. Because you can go, oh, you didn't do enough of this. You didn't do enough of that. Um, you know, um. You know, we can say somebody didn't shoot the ball well, or, you know, not enough people, you know, not enough of your bench stepped up. Or You can say a lot of things like that. But ultimately, you have to also give credit to, to you also have to give credit to defenses, too. It's not always a one-way street. You know? I thought the Phoenix defense did a pretty good job um, on Monday night. 
And again, offensively, it was a pretty good, I mean, you know, nobody really had a great game. It's just collectively, you got a lot of, you know, a lot of contributions. Um, Aiton led the way with 25, Booker with 23, a much better game in his return game in game six of the previous series. Chris Paul had 19, Bridges 13, Crowder 11, 17 off the bench by Johnson, who's always a lightning rod, Payne 9, and then McGee 4. You know, so you had one, two, three, four, five. All five guys in the starting lineup had double digits. And then you had uh, one one person off the bench in Johnson with double digits. And Payne almost had that consistency. And again, if you have a team like that that can give that many guys a double digit, you don't need one guy to do 45 points. Like, like you don't need that. You know, a lot of coaches and a lot of teams are better off for coaches like this because it, it, it makes it harder to defend them because you never know where the productivity is going to come from, where the score is going to come from. Makes it hard on the defense. You can't just sit there and go, oh, I'm going to crack down on this guy because everybody is capable of putting up double-digit scoring. That's why it, 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 it pays to be a deeper team nowadays because you have a lot of offensive options. Sure, it's great to have stars, but if anybody on that court, any given night, can put up 15 to 20 points, as a defense, you don't know where to guard. You can't double-team. You can't, you can't focus on just one or two guys. You have to, you have to kind of honor the fact that opens up a lot more opportunities and makes it easier to score and do a lot more things offensively. So and that's what Phoenix does. That's what a lot of these kind of deeper teams do that go, you know, 11, 12 deep. So, so again, I, I, give, I, I give Phoenix a very good performance. They take a one-game-to-nothing lead in that series. Dallas has to win, has to get at least one game in Phoenix to have a chance. And, again, you all know, know how I feel about this. I think this series is a mismatch, probably the least interesting playoff series. Oh, no Embiid, but obviously there's stuff to talk about there because Embiid could come back. And it's obviously the Butler versus the Sixer. I mean, there's a lot there. But there's Mavericks and the Suns, isn't as much. Um, but you know what? We'll see. Dallas can make it interesting if they can win tonight. As game two will take place in Phoenix tonight. There's going to be a Eastern Time on TNT, so we'll see what happens with that series tonight as they resume. Uh, another series that resumed tonight, Sixers and Heat, that will resume at 7.30 p.m. tonight on TNT as Miami leads that series one game to nothing. Game two of that series will be tonight. That series started on Monday. And what about what they thought? I'll the Sixers credit. They had a lead at the half. Um, they were in it. I thought they played as, about as well as they could play without Dolan B in the first half. Um, I, and, I, I, and, and, you know, the Heat are more of a shooting team anyway. They like to try to shoot the ball. They have a lot of good shooters, as we talked about. Um, they didn't shoot the ball particularly, but then again, they also weren't looking as much because they were taking advantage of a mismatch. And that's something that I think needs to be focused a lot on. That mismatch was Bam Adebayo in, in the paint. Without without Joel Embiid, Bam is going to have a hell of a series because there's nobody to guard him. Forget about the Jordan. I like the Jordan. 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 He cannot defend Bam. And I, we, you know, we can sit here and talk about the loss of Joel Embiid's 31 points. Obviously, that hurts the Sixers offensively. Obviously. And it hurt them in this game. But they have some people that can make up some of that offense. As long as your defense is cut. And your defense is not going to be cut when you don't have Embiid. There's nobody to guard Bam. There's nobody to scare guys away from the paint. They're having a field day in there. And that's just as big of a reason as the Heat winning game one is anything. And that's the other reason, and that's really the biggest, probably the big, bigger reason why I don't think the Sixers have a chance in the series without Joel Embiid. We can sit and go all throughout without his offense. Yeah, it, I mean, 
puts them in a very, very bad spot. But the defense is, I think, an even bigger concern because Offenses have to change their whole game plan around Joel Embiid. What he brings to the table defensively is, yeah, obviously he's special too, but defensively it's, 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 it's a rarity what he brings to the table. Without him, the paint is an easy place for anybody to go. Miami's a shooting team. They don't even have to worry about three-point shooting without Joel Embiid. They can go to the attack room as much as they want. There's nobody there that scares them. The intimidation factor is gone. And you saw that, and you saw Bam go crazy in this game. Go crazy! He went crazy in this game. I know. Again, you might say, "Well, twenty-four points isn't that crazy," but for Bam, that's a that's a that's a pretty good night. Now, obviously, the guy that really helped them off the bench was Tyra, uh, off the bench was Tyra Hero. Twenty-nine points nine for seventeen from the field, four or six from three. He had a great game. And again, a lot of that was because Bam was doing so well in the paint. That he could also facilitate too, because there's nobody that blocks to step into the pass lane. The defense suffered. The defense suffered. Baller had 15, PJ Tucker 10, Vincent 10. Um, this is a great effort all around by the Miami Heat. You know, I know. For a while, they get going. But once they did, for even the second half, you know, they, they, they dominated. You know, Bam was great, Tyler Hero was great, and they dominated. And the six and the Sixers did not have enough. Also, the, the early on, what it was about was the defense. They just had no, they had no way to stop the Heat. If they did, they might have had a big lead at the half because they were up one at the half. If, if they had a defense, and they didn't have no about they probably had a bigger lead at the half, and then maybe, maybe they could have stuck this game out. But they didn't. They didn't have defense. The first half was a story about the fact that they had no way to stop them. It was a wild. The sick the heat to stay in the game. And the second half it was about the fact that they didn't have enough offense because the heat figured things out, started putting up points, and the Sixers couldn't compete because they they're missing a thirty thirty point a game score. And of course you can't defend either because you don't have your wins pin in your defense and it's a it's, it's, I mean what are you supposed to do? Now hopefully they lose one oh six ninety two. And again, offensively Offensively, you do have guys that can make up for some of what Embiid does. Tobias Harris had 27. Okay, so he almost gave you what Embiid gives you. Problem is, nobody else did, did, did enough. Because, okay, if he didn't get to fill, fill in for Embiid and give you what Embiid gave well, who's going to fill in for what Harris usually gave you? This is about, what, 15 to 20? Well, Massey scored 19, Harris scored 16. 16 is less than what Harden's been giving you. And this time, this game only has five assists. So he, he he was absolutely non-existent in this game. So Maxie might have given you what Harris gives you most of the time. Harden gave you less than he usually gives you, and nobody off the bench scored more than that. So, again, you, 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 you know, overall, no, you, you, there was, there was productivity that was lost that was not made up for. A considerable amount. So again, you can deal with not having MB. Almost what Embiid would give you. If, you know, that that's fine. You know, Maxi all gives you 19. Well, that's pretty close to what maybe Harris would normally give you. But then who's making up for what Maxi usually gives you? And what's and then Harden comes in with less than usual, that doesn't help you. So it just wasn't enough. 
the Heat are going to win tonight. Just the, the, the Sixers just don't have enough. And then you got Doc Rivers just showing people in and out, trying to find something that works, trying to strike lightning in a bottle like some of these other teams. Well, Philly's not built like these other teams. They're not built like the Bucks. They're not built like the Celtics. They're not built like the Golden State Warriors. They're not built like the Phoenix Suns. They only go so far. This is a team that I, you know, at most maybe it's six or seven reliable guys that can give you double digits. You're not built like these other teams. If somebody off the bench is going to all of a sudden score 30 and surprise you. You're, you don't have that. If they did, they might be able to hang in the series more. But they don't have that. And you're playing in Miami again tonight. I don't like their chances. I think I, it could, it could it end up being a little bit like the first game where in the first half they hang in there close enough or even have a lead. And in the second half they just lose it. Yeah, it could, it could be. Be, I think what's going to more than likely happen in this game is the Heat are going to come out like gamebusters and they're going to blow out both the doors off. I think the only reason why it happened in game one was a little bit of a layover. Remember, the Sixers played a little bit more than the Heat did. But I think the Heat, the Heat and the Sixers came into this game trying to with, with some with some feeling of like we want to try to prove ourselves. We want to try to show that we can do this and be in this. Now that's gone because now they, I think their spirit got broken. That they can do this without them because they had a close lead, and then the Heat slammed the door on them in the second in the second half. Slammed the door on. Them. So I, I, I expect a blowout. Then we'll see what happens in Game Three. Now you're down 0-2, and you can get Embiid for Game Three. I think you do it. If, if, if he's not available for Game Three, and he's coming back in Game Four, and the series is 0-3, then I don't think you bother. Just give it up. I know, I know, it's, it's hard to do that. Leave the white flag. It's a bad, it's a bad optic. Yeah, obviously you got the facial fracture and everything. I mean, come on. You're going to put him out, your franchise player out there and do that? Put through that 0-3? I don't think that's worth it. So we'll see what happens. Tonight's big because if they get the 0-2 lead, it does put pressure on the Sixers a little bit, obviously, um, for a different, for more than just the, the obvious reason. You know, it puts pressure on them to like, all right, well, if we have a B, you know, if MB can go, you play him. If he can't go, I'm not saying I'm not saying risk his safety and health. No, that's that's not what I'm saying. But if he if he's clear to go, you got there's no decision here, you play him. You gotta roll two. And that pressure will be there. So it'll put them in that situation where it's like, oh, you know what? We better we better hope we have him because we don't have him. This series is over. Because I don't care if he comes back when you're all three down. You're not winning four you're not winning four in a row. You're just not. Not on this team. Now they have home court. They're not. So tonight, tonight's obviously a big night in that series. I mean, if the, if the Sixers can somehow steal a game, that changes the own complexion of this series. Just like it did with the Dallas-Utah series in the last round, where Dallas was able to win about Luka a couple games. That changed the whole complexion of that series. That's why they're here. Why they're in the second round. So big game tonight for the Sixers. And boy, if James Harden really wants to prove, prove something to people, Go out there and put up a 30 or 40 top nine. Show that, 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 that old James Harden somewhere in there. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, if he had at least put up what he's been putting up, 20, 22, 23 points in the first game, you know, he got, he, he did a lot less. I mean, he, he had his worst game in the playoffs, I thought. I mean, come on. He didn't give you what he normally gives you. In a game where he, he should be stepping up and leading, 
That's what he gives you? Tobias Harris won more. Tobias Harris stepped up. Maxi was pretty decent. The same two guys that bailed this team out in the first round. A little more time. James Harden has to show up for one of these games and, and, and show that he can do that too. Otherwise, again, what do you, why, why are we, why is everybody so guy over James Harden? Why are we, you know, gunning our teams to trade for a guy that currently is nowhere near what he once was? James Harden, if he doesn't step up without Embiid, this is his moment to step up and say, I can do this. It doesn't always have to be Embiid. I can do this too. Step up. Or stop pretending that you're anywhere near a top tier player. I want to see what he's... I'm really curious to what he's going to The fact that he took a step back in game one instead of stepping up and giving you more was pretty telling. Now, the other Eastern Conference series. The Celtics and the Bucks obviously living up to their hype. Uh, a very intense physical game one was won, was won by the Bucks in pretty dominant fashion. And instead, the Celtics have to win. Now, they didn't have Marcus Smart, which was a big blow. Defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. Did not play. But this is why I think about deep teams. And that's exactly what happened. Now, you had Williams off the bench, put in 21. You had Williams, uh, the third, as a starter, putting in 10. Orford put in 11. Okay? So Williams comes in and makes up this what, what smart was giving you. And then, collectively as a unit, they're the best defense, we know that. They didn't have it, they didn't play really good defense in the first game. It was, it was off and on. It wasn't very consistent. They they went back to Boston Celtics. They were intense. They were physical. They basically returned the favor to what the Bucks did them in game one. Where you know, the Bucks didn't let up the entire game. In this game, the Celtics didn't let up. It was almost a carbon copy of what the Bucks did in game one. Dominant. They dominated. And their big stepped up. In the first game, obviously Brown and Tatum didn't do enough. In this game, Tatum's 29. Brown scores third. They're going to do that. You're not going to beat them. You're not going to beat them. They shot the ball almost 50% from three, 50% from the field. That's going to win. They're going to win with that. And then you, you tell me what like you defense, which was more consistent in this game. Giannis had 28, but you live with that because not a single other person had over 20. Howard only had 19. Porter only had 13. 13 off the bench by Kaiser, but nobody else had any, did anything else. They, shot, they, they held off, uh, the Milwaukee to 16.7% from three. And only and 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 forty six percent from the field. You're gonna you're gonna win if you if you hold a team down like that. You don't have to start from three. If you if you what you the way they play defense in that game with that intensity and they did what they did offensively, you're gonna win. So the Celtics basically did to that to the Bucks what the Bucks did to them in Game One. I was a carbon copy. And now we have a series. What we expected to happen. Now I did expect these games to be closer. Both games were relatively dominated by the team that won. But you know what? Further into this series. Now, for Boston, the series shifts to Milwaukee now. And again, you want to get a split. You want to get a split. You don't want to lose both games there, even though you know you got the home court. That's the, that's the, that's the mission for Boston. And kind of like I talked about with the Golden State Warriors and, and Memphis Mystery Series. Now, here the young 
stronger team, you're a more experienced team, you want to try to get the, fir the first road game. That's always the easiest. So, you know what, Boston's got a little bit more experience than Memphis does. Some of these guys have been to the Eastern Conference Finals. They, you know, but that's, 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 again, that was a couple of years ago. They are a more inexperienced team when you compare it to the Bucks as one NBA title last year. Okay? So, to me, if you're Boston, try to get game three. I mean, I'm not saying they can't get game four, but it's a lot easier to get game three. Play out from front, you keep the momentum. It does, ha it does make the pressure more bearable because you put the pressure more on them because now if they're, if they're in game four, they're down to 32 games to one. If they lose that, then you're putting them in a bind because you're going back to Boston for game five. You can clinch the series. And you still have game seven in your back pocket, too. So that's how it changed the whole tenor of the series. So game three will be a huge, huge game in this series. Game three are always huge, I think, because of what they can do, especially in a 1-1 series. So... So again, that series, everybody's intense and physical as we thought. It's very entertaining. We're looking forward to see where it goes as we go forward. So that's the story in the NBA playoffs right now. Uh, again, two series resumed tonight. Uh, Sixers Heat game two. He, he read that series one game less, and that'll be on 7 3 10 Eastern tonight on TNT. Mavericks Suns game two. A series led by the Suns one game to nothing. That series resumes tonight at 10 o'clock Eastern on TNT. Tomorrow is an off day for the NBA. Heat Sixers. Or pick back up for game three. Um, oh, for game two, I should say. Um, oh, game three, I'm sorry. Game three, I'm sorry. I don't know why I just said that. Um, we're doing for game three on Friday night, 7 p.m. at ESPN. Again, Miami reaches their one game. Nothing by that point. We'll, we'll see if they need a 2 1 or 1 1. Those are 1 1 series. On the 9.30 Friday, Suns Mavericks Game 3. Phoenix Reasons, one one series by the time we get to Friday. Um, that is a little weird that, you know, they play that series that's up on Friday night, and then that's up and back to Celtics, so this is one for Saturday, but I think that's all TV right there. You see wants those two series on Saturday, but, you know, that's kind of the way it all plays out. But, all right, so things camping up in the NBA playoffs. Um, as I said, hockey playoffs on the way, and they've had a great couple games. We'll get into some of the hockey playoffs on Friday because we won't have a lot of basketball. We'll get into the hockey stuff on Friday because it's been great. Hockey, and that's why NHL playoff action is just so much fun. It just is. So, I mean, NHL playoffs are running baseball, obviously, in a big. It's firmly into a season now. Month in we do it, so about a month in next week, so time's right. Um, we'll, we'll get all the early, but there's some interesting storylines already developing, so we'll get into some of that next week. Next week, um, so a lot going on in the sports world, but still, still, even though we're beyond the NFL draft and we're kind of getting into that period of time where it's kind of like it's going to be the doldrums of NFL coverage because there's not a whole lot going on. Down, down. You know, not until training camp picks up in late July will things start to pick up again. There's still NFL stories. We're in the midst of everything that's going on. And we're going to, and when we get back to the break, we're going to talk about one of those NFL stories. Ryan Tannehill.
We'll get into those comments when we come back from the break. You're listening to the Sports Sprint here on this Wednesday. Good to have you all aboard. We'll be right back. We're back. So yesterday, Ryan Tannehill made some interesting comments that really just ruffled a lot of reminded people of, of of Brett Favre and even Aaron Rodgers. Um, yesterday, Ryan Tannehill um, did a press conference. Um, he talked about loss. Uh, you know, where he had that really bad game, and everybody, you know, said, oh, this typical Ryan Tannehill again, you know, missed the reception, he lost the game, he was in a dark place, took therapy again. Well, he was already going to therapy, but he really needed therapy more than ever to get him out of the funk he was in after that loss. But amongst all that t- t- talk of that loss to the Bengals in the aftermath of that, he was, it was brought up um, uh, that, you know, obviously the, the Titans had drafted Malik Willis. In the, in, in, as, a third, as a third round pick in last week's draft. And he's among the first few players. And Tannehill mentioned that the Titans did not notify him that they were selecting Willis with the numbers 86 pip. Now he said he texted Willis soon after the team made the selection. Um, he mentioned that he said, I understand how the league works and welcome to competition. And then he went on to say this, and this is the, this is the quote. That's got everybody talking. I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but if he learns from me along the way, that's a great thing. That was the quote. And everybody was like, ooh. Now he went on to talk about A.J. Brown and him being crazy. He goes with you, stop crying out of No, that's not going to help his promise because he loses the primary target in the, in, in, under the offense. But... That quote was the story of that whole series of comments, okay, and that, during that press conference. Now, look, we have seen numerous times in the past the veteran quarterbacks say, you know, basically reject mentoring or teaching 
somebody that might become their successor, or is named pretty much named their successor. You saw Brett Favre refuse to do the same with the two that with Aaron Rodgers for about a year and a half for a long time. Obviously, there was some issue with Aaron Rodgers when um, when Green Bay drafted um, Love. And obviously, eventually, you know, that worked out. You know, obviously, you got to start all the tension between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, but still, it's now. But it took a few years to get there. And a whole lot of public back and forth. And there's been other examples over the years. But those are the two that immediately spring to mind for most people right now. Now, look. You all know how I feel about Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill is essentially, to me, a journeyman quarterback. You know, he started in Miami. There were years that he, you know, was he had these good years and he had these bad years. He's a very inconsistent quarterback. There are times, he's he very, very streaky. He could go six, seven, eight games and look like unbelievable, and then he could go another six, seven, eight games and look like, why is he a starting quarterback in this league? And you've seen that with Tennessee, the year that they went to the AFC Championship. Look how good he was during that stretch. And then look what's happened since then. It reminds you, off and on, you know, he's had good moments and bad moments since then, but it's been inconsistency, right? That's how good he is. Sometimes he could be six in a row that look really good and then fall off a cliff. Other times he could be good one week, bad the next. You just don't know him. He has the skill set to be good, to be solid. I don't think he has the skill set to be like Patrick Mahomes, but he has the skill set to be a but he's radically inconsistent. He's very and he's inaccurate and he forces a lot of things. That forces a lot of throws and, and, and doesn't take what the game the defense gives him. He tried. He, he, he in some ways I think he tries too hard. But at this point he is who he is. You're not going to change him. He's been in the league too long. And Tennessee crew that decided to keep him after that run to the NFC Championship, and they stuck behind him. But you wonder after what happened last year. Year after the, the, the underachieving year, the year after the NFC Championship, you know, you wonder if they're like, you know what, we're kind of winning despite our quarterback. Maybe it's time to think about somebody to take over for him. Let's try somebody, let's take a chance on somebody, and maybe eventually, you know, this guy could be it. Well, we have to go find somebody else, but you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think maybe, I, and, I, and I think maybe Ryan said defensive when they think they're going to be replaced. Even if, they, even if they're starting to get into the back end of their careers, they don't want to let go. Especially if they think there's still a chance to win. If you're not a winning team, it's a playoff team, you're not ready to let go until you're ready to let go. You know, I mean, unless you're one of those guys that's like, you know what, I feel my body giving out and that, that, then maybe you're fine with it. But if, you're, if you don't think that, if you physically think you can do it, then you're going to hold on with both hands. You're not going to let go until you're ready to you know, but here's the thing. To me, if you're a Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, you know, Peyton Manning, Brady, one of those type of guys, the top-tier quarterback, even though I don't like saying stuff like, well, I'm not going to mentor, this guy's not my responsibility, even though I don't like that, because that mentoring makes you a better teammate. Nobody's saying that you have to show him every single thing that you've done. And, you know, I'm not even saying you have to go as far as take him on your way. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to impart some knowledge, some wisdom, work with him a little bit. Make yourself available. You know what I mean? You know, open, keep that line of communication open. Be a good teammate because that helps team chemistry. 
that goes a long way. Now, I know some quarterbacks are like, well, Barry do that makes it easier for him to take the job. Maybe the quicker, he, if, if, if I help him, he'll learn quicker than I take my job quicker. I understand that. All right? I understand that. And maybe I understand it more coming from somebody like Ryan Tannehill because he's a very inconsistent performer. It might be easier for a young quarterback to get the job. If you're a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, Tate Man type, it's not easy to take your job because the chance of this kid's not going to be Green Bay got lucky. Aaron Rodgers was as good as, or maybe it's not better than Brett Favre. But that's not always the case. Now, but here's the thing. An Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes or a Tom Brady, one of those guys says, you know what, hey, I don't want to mentor. I don't like it. As I said, I don't like that. But, I, look, I think I, even if I disagree with you, you're, you're so freaking good at your job and you're proven maybe that you Rodgers can probably keep playing for God knows how long. All right. So in a lot of ways, even though I disagree with them saying that and, and, and acting like that, and I think it's wrong, I can at least go all right. Well, you know what? You're Aaron Rodgers. You're Patrick Mahomes. You're Tom Brady. You're wrong. I don't like it. But you're who you are. I can kind of. I just have to live with it. I have to accept it. So you're one of the greatest of all time. But I'm sorry, Ryan Tannehill has not earned the right to say that and have everybody else just accept it. If, I, if I'm a Tennessee Titans, I drag him into a room and say, you're not Tom Brady, you're not Aaron Rodgers. Okay? You don't get, you don't get to say that. All right? We took a chance on you. Most teams, would, it, 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 most teams wouldn't have done that. You would have been a journeyman. You would have been going all over the league like Ryan Fitzpatrick. They gave him a chance. They gave him a mega contract. When most teams would not have done that. After one run. Not, most teams would not have done that. They gave him that contract. So I drag him to and say, you know what? No, you aren't going to work with this guy. Because it does not mean he is your replacement. He's way, 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 way away from that. And here's the thing. I tell Ryan Tanner, if you do your job and you, and, and, and you don't turn over the football and you play better or you play up to a high level, Okay, they got a big contract. They have to pay. I mean, I, I, if I'm Ryan Tanner, I, I, I would be like, you know what? If I do my job and I play well, most of the time, I'm not going to be replaced anytime soon. If you play like you did against the Bengals in the playoffs last year, you're going to be replaced tomorrow. Play well and you don't have to worry about it. That's what I would say to him. So, I mean, look, we're tight. I mean, in fact, this is not, this kind of stuff's not good for team chemistry. Well, now, you're just trading your best receiver, AJ Brown, but this is not good for team chemistry. And if you're a quarterback Rex Tannehill, who is inconsistent and just came off that performance against the Bengals, where everybody pretty much said, can, it, can we please be done with Ryan Tannehill? You don't think Tennessee's feeling the heat in Japan? And maybe feeling some heat from parts of the front office saying, you know what, this is the reason why this guy is. You don't think there's not feeling that heat? So if I'm Tannehill, what he did does not help matters for himself. He's putting more pressure on himself. Because you're going to sit there and go, this guy's becoming a problem now. And he had his inconsistent performance. Is he really worth keeping? You're better off just doing the team thing and 
putting the team first and working with this kid and trying to make him better because, yeah, you might feel like, oh, I think it's better too quick, you might take my job. But you want to know something? There's no guarantee that's going to happen. You don't know how good this kid is going to be. And here's the other thing, too. If you can do yourself to the team and say, you know, look, I work with this guy. Don't, put, you know, why, why, don't give up on me this quick. Even if they do give up on you, okay? First of all, it gives you a leg to stand with them. Like, well, I work with this guy. I did everything you asked and you're getting rid of me. But you, it's a way you can get in their head and convince them to do a little bit longer. But even if they don't, another team will look at them and go, boy, you know, he was really Maybe they another team takes you on, brings you in for a couple years, and then you do the same thing. Another young quarterback, you need another job for a couple more years. Instead of having to go year to year someplace, which is what you probably would be doing. So, again, I don't think he helped himself. Definitely didn't help his with that. It hurts chemistry, but again, something that we've heard before is just that you don't use. Who you even though even if you disagree with him saying it and think that's wrong to be to be like that, at least if it comes from somebody like Aaron Rodgers, well it's Aaron Rodgers. Ryan Tannehill, I don't think there's really the right to say that. That's just my feeling. I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not the only one. Alright, we're gonna take a break. When we come back. I wanna hear from you. Your questions, comments, thoughts, reactions. Hockey out there. You know we're not gonna talk about really till Friday, you can do that. Why wait till Friday, right? If you want to talk about um, anything's on the table. As long as it's sports-related, it's all on the table. We come back. You're listening to the Sports Spread on this Wednesday. We'll be right back. We're back. So let's see what's on your mind on this Wednesday afternoon. Um, I disagree with you on him having the intentional push to be dirty. You're not doing accidentally. You can still call it a dirty play. Hard fouls in, in theory are dirty. Whether, you, whether you're intended to injure or not, it's, it's, it's meant to be an it's, it's, it, A hard foul is excessive. Therefore, that. I really don't think it's a, a, 
I really don't think it reflects Dylan Brooks. Clearly, if you say it was ever serving, even if it was intentional. Dylan Brooks is so seen as a good player that just made a mistake that an inexperienced player in that situation did. Pulling it for a hard foul is a long, 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 long. Pulling it for a hard foul. It just went, went a little out, a little bit, about the complete wrong way. There's nothing wrong with that. I see a lot of people kind of, kind of towing the line because they don't want to call Dylan Brooks a dirty player. Sometimes a good, uh, sometimes a, a, a player that's usually seen as a clean player can make a dirty play. It happens. He did it and, it and injured somebody. It was a dirty play, whether whether he meant to injure or not. No way, shape, form around it. That being said, do you think events? Do you think eventually, if anything else further happens with, any, with, with guys like Draymond Green or Dylan Brooks, that this will lead to suspension? I, you have to think that any any repeated in, 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 incidents would lead to that, right? How much least do you think the league will give these players in this series given the heated nature of it? I hope they give them a lot because it's the playoffs and you don't want to see playoff series determined by this kind of stuff. Um, but obviously it's escalating and two games it's escalated a lot. So yeah, I mean if Dre I mean if if if, if Brooks does something again or Draymond even if somebody that hasn't done something already in the series does something excessive. And you know, you get to say, okay, this is just continuously getting out of hand now. Then yeah, I think eventually you're going to get to that point. That, it, it, yeah, gonna, I, I don't think they're just going to snap, jump to that. All right, what's going to end up happening is unless I, I mean I, I think if it's Green or Brooks, then maybe you look at it the second time you've done second time in the series, you had to do an ejection or something. You know that. But, but if it's the first time it's happening, you will see a suspension. I think that, I think they don't they'll give everybody at least one chance before they go right to a suspension. And again, I don't think they want to do that, and I hope they. But, but eventually, if it continues to escalate, and you have people as repeat offenders in the series, you're going to have to go to suspension. You're going to have to. What else is going to do? Otherwise, you're going to keep going and going and going until it explodes. Then you have a brawl and then endangers players' health and safety, maybe even fans. So, you know, again, I don't know if that's going to, if it's going to get to that point because now the series is shifting to Golden State. And, and even though the fans are going to be loud and rowdy, I don't know if they're going to be, you know, they, they, they don't tend to strike me. I think. They don't, don't strike me like that either. So I, I don't think it really makes a difference for the plan, but I think maybe shifting the Golden State, having a couple of days off here, because the series will resume for Saturday, maybe we'll pull everybody off. That's what I'm always hoping for. I mean, I want the intensity of the series. That's what makes this, this series fun. That's what makes playoff games fun. But you don't want people to keep getting hurt and things to be exactly like what happened yesterday. Physicality is fine, but when it starts to get to the point where people are getting swollen up, swollen up on their eyes, that's when it's starting to get to a point where it's like, all right, things are getting a little too too much now. Uh, let's see. Same. I don't know if you've seen what happened here. Miami was ejected from the game after an exchange with the umpire. And what, during, during a long and physical examination of the club team, 
get an injection because of any foreign substance, but just because of whatever the exchange was between him and, and the umpire. Do you think this was in the right? And, and, do you, and what do you think was the reason behind what's that outcome? I think it was the, uh, the longer than, than expected. But anyways, I, first of all, I think some players are still chippy about this. Some players are still But some players still chat about this. You know, and I, and I think that's what it is. They think it's a nuisance. They don't understand why it has to keep happening as much as it does. Sometimes it happens like every day. You know, they, they just don't like it. <coughs> Excuse me. Bumgarner was annoyed about it. And that's exactly what happened. I think that's exactly what happened. I don't think there's anything else there. That's that. Wait, that's my knowledge. That's all I have in my understanding. It was a longer than normal exchange. Longer than normal evaluation. Looks like he got annoyed. Now, should the umpire have done that? No, I don't know what was said. But that seemed like kind of a quick trigger. You know? So, I would say no. The umpire didn't need to do that. But, you know. No, because it took longer than it should. And he's probably one of those guys who doesn't like doing it to begin with. He was annoyed. And something to the umpire. The umpire had a short fuse. And the probably should have done it. But again, I don't know what he said. You know, I don't know what he said. So, it, it, it's, it's anybody's guess, really. It's anybody's guess. But, but based on what I saw and what I'm riding at, yeah, that's... that's you know, and, and should the umpire have done it? No, probably shouldn't have, but... <laughs> so that's all I can really say about because not much you know about it, other than what what was obvious, really. Um Lee Westward uh apparently mentioned on Wednesday that he has requested releases from the PGA tour and the What do you think that uh, we all thought that the idea of players playing anything in, in being played in any way with Saudi Arabia was, was was no longer an issue, but it seems like it still is. And now it's said that maybe a number of players will be going over to play in this tournament or other uh, such events that we, we, we might be happening going forward. How do you think this is going to go over with the public? How do you think the teachers are going to First of all, I, I, I don't know. I just got one. I actually read the article on this maybe about a half hour before the show today. Um, I'm not surprised by it because I think, you know, obviously things have quieted down considerably with this, uh, after what Phil said, but, you know, these guys clearly still, oh, there's enough interest, and we knew that there were players on the tour that were interested. So it seems like what's going to happen now is instead of all of them just up and leaving and joining the league, they're going to go and get, like, releases to go play certain events. That are, you know, with this, you know, maybe a failure a league or maybe that are just individual events affiliated with Saudi Arabia. I mean, look, I mean, WWE does things with Saudi Arabia. There's other, uh, there's other sports entities that distribute Saudi Arabia. All right? It's not looked at as favorable, but it happens. Do I think the public is going to go crazy on it? There'll be some people in the public that will. It doesn't, it's not great for your image, but I think, I don't think it's going to, it's going to be a huge, like it's going to be like, you know, I don't think you're going to I don't think it would be a plaster over every newspaper in the country saying, you know, oh, you're doing this in Saudi Arabia. 
Well, it's not, it's not going to look that very favorably, but other, obviously, like I said, other sports entities do it. So, um, you know, now, they're not going to like it, but I think they're going to realize that it's maybe best for them to let players, you know, play in these events better than losing them completely, right? So they'll probably do it and then hope that it's not a door that leads to the players wanting to more of those kind of events and less PGA Tour events. Because that's my view of it. Again, I just started worrying about this before we're not there. And just started reading obviously. Let's see how it all plays out over the next couple of days and weeks. This event's in June. Let's see how it plays out. But a guy like Lee Westford doing it, leading the charge, he's a respected, respected golfer, respected guy. You know, chances are there's going to be some other players that do it too. And when somebody like that does it, there's going to be some others do it too. So, but it's not something I know a lot about. I just started reading about it. So, you know, we'll see if more comes out about it in the next couple of days and, and we'll see where this goes. But it is interesting. And it's, again, I, you know, I, 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 I talked about this maybe a week ago when we talked about, like, oh, this seems like, you know, this is, a, you know, we're not going to see any talk of the league anymore. Maybe you're not going to see any of these players jump to a league, but again, now I, I think maybe now we're going to see these players jump to events that pay out and are affiliated with Saudi Arabia. But there's bigger money in it. You know, so maybe you won't see a lot of players jump to the leagues, but maybe you'll see, you know, stuff like that, like just playing single events, you know, here and there. Maybe, and then maybe that leads to the league uh, discussion starting up again, or players jumping to the league being a thing again. You know, maybe that opens the door for it. If, if Maybe that's what the PGA Tour is going to be afraid of. Maybe they won't let players do. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I will take two more. A grouping of uh, questions here. We got a little baseball, a little golf, a little basketball. Good, I like that. Um, could agree with you more about Tannehill. You can disagree with you can you, you can disagree with a player saying, "Well, I'm not going to mentor." But if it's coming from somebody like Ryan Tannehill, he has no right to say that. And in fact, he should be willing to do anything and everything just to, just because of the fact that he, that any other team, he would have probably lost his job by now. A guy like Brush Barber, even Ron's Tom Brady's thing, and you just kind of go along with it and say, all right, we don't like it, but that's kind of the way it's going to be. It's, it's, it's coming from, consider the source who it's coming from. There's nothing you can do about it. But Ryan Tannehill, again, like you said, bring him into the office and say, you're going to do what we tell you to do, or we'll just outright release you because it's not like you're going to be losing that much in terms of performance anyway. Um, do you think that there are maybe people on the Tennessee Titans that aren't going to respond to this well and think that, and, 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 and think that this is and, 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 and potentially a bad teammate and think that he's not being supportive of the team? I mean, I guess so. I mean, I mean, look, these guys have been playing with Ryan for, what, the last couple of years? Um, you know, I think there's a camaraderie. I mean, they, I think they like him. I don't think there's any problems there. I mean, there might be guys in this team that maybe quietly think that he that could have a better quarterback and probably put him in the Super Bowl. You know, based on what Tennessee's played over the last couple of years, you know, years. But I think people that feel like a better quarterback, this team could have been a Super Bowl winner. So, you know, maybe quietly there are some guys in this team that don't like him as a quarterback. They like him as a person, but maybe they don't like him as a quarterback. Maybe this helps, this doesn't help him being liked as a person. Um, because he does make you look like a bad teammate. It does hurt your, your, your image. And it does hurt team chemistry. It doesn't show that you're willing to yourself. You're supposed to put the team first. I know some teams don't care about that, but you know, like that, that's got, you know, younger guys, and maybe I, I would think that they would. So, 
Yeah, it doesn't look good. It doesn't make you look good. It made me do lose some people, especially when you haven't lost someone quietly. I'm not going to be too vocal about it, but maybe quietly he's lost some of his performance. But yeah, it's, definitely, it's, it's not good. In my opinion, it's not good. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. You know, it doesn't help. And look, I, I mean, I, I, think, I, mean, I already thought he was on. He was on thin ice this year. I think this puts. I think that puts even more on him this year. I really do. I think this puts even more on him this year. I think he's really put a lot more on himself than he needed to have. He already had a lot on him. Now he's got even more. He didn't need that. He doesn't usually do well with more pressure on him, as we've seen. Um, we'll take one more. Seems like you're saying that if the Sixers don't win tonight, that tonight they don't have a, a chance at winning this series. If they do win tonight, what do you think the chances are that they do win this series, especially with the knowledge that you're looking like at, let's look at like MVP sometime next to the game? If they win tonight, I think they're. I think it becomes fifty-fifty. Even if MB's not a hundred a hundred percent, I think they have a. I think they have a fifty-fifty chance. Because I because again, you know, I, even though I thought the Heat would win this series. You know, they, they, they primarily focus are, are a shooting team, and if they don't if they don't make shots, they, they, they can lose just by that. And I I wasn't that crazy impressed with how they played in game one. If, if, if that being played, I don't, Bam doesn't go crazy like he did. So you don't know. We're just, you know, obviously Hero had a good game, but nobody else really did much else. But you know, so. You know, it was a solid performance, but it wasn't overwhelming. If Embiid had been healthy and played, you wonder if maybe the Sixers would have won. So I, I didn't just see more on the Heat to make me think that, you know, if, if that, that, that think that they can they could win this series if Embiid was playing. Because the way that they played, the way that they looked in Game One, if Embiid played, I don't know if they would. I wasn't that impressed with the Heat did in this in Game One. I really wasn't. They were okay, but it wasn't, you know. So I think that if, if you know if they win tonight, they steal a game. Then, you know, knowing that B's going to come back, you know, just what he could bring defensively. I, mean, I, I don't even know if he could give you as much offensively as he's given you. But just what he could do defensively, I think that could end up being enough if, if Miami doesn't play better than they did in game one. So. All right, we're going to take one last break. When we come back, we wrap things up. You're listening to the Sports Fair. I'll be right back.
Um, I was just looking at the American Bunger because he obviously got caught. We just talked about something asked about this in the last segment. And, and, and they're playing a Wednesday day game today. And he just got tossed. He got tossed at the one in the work. And if you look at it, obviously you can, you can hear, you can see him say, Bunger and say, very, very off-putting. It looked like he was deliberately trying to piss him off. I, I, I probably would have reacted to but if, you know, considering what I've seen, all it looks like he said was take your effing time. If that gets you rejected, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Baseball has to figure that out because that, that's ridiculous. You know, you can let these, these, these pitchers are annoyed with it. You should just give them some leash. I know you probably should say they should be used to it by now, but, but anyway, we'll see if anything more was said. We'll find out more about the story if it's worth talking about. I was just doing it on Friday, but, um, but that's what I, I saw. I saw some videos, some clips of it on, on, on Twitter, and that's all I could see. So, all right. With that being said, we are done for today. It's always just because the show is over doesn't mean the, you have to stop interacting. The show, so you have your voice, sir. You can do so. Uh, you know, email us at sportsplayatgmail.com. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you can interact with people coming out the show and ask them additional content. We're going to send us it by email, Facebook, or or you can always just chat with us in general. You can send us some great suggestions. Here's that we had that we announced on Monday, um, which, again, you, we, we got very excited, but thank you to all of you for continuing to support and suggestions and feedback. It's really much appreciated. It really helps us out. So thank you for that. But that's why it's always important for you to have suggestions and stuff like that. You all have great ideas, and sometimes your your ideas are better than mine. So um all right. One other thing you can do on Facebook and Twitter is you can keep up with the show. So if you miss an episode, miss a part of the episode, miss an episode the live links are posted on Facebook and Twitter, so you know after our live broadcast is over. So you can always look through our And just click on the link in that on that day's post or that day's tweet will take you to that particular show. So also you can go to our main host site on speaker.com and search for the sports and you can get to our main show page. You scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll find episode archive, which contains all of our episodes from all of our medical shows, sports and sports and etc. all there in order from the most recent date to the oldest. So find the episode you want on there, click on it, and it will play for you. And of course, anytime you have a live broadcast, there'll be a live link at the top of the page. Any one of our shows that are live, whether it's live or you want to listen to a past episode that you may have missed, missed a part of, or want to check out again, you can either go on our main host on speaker.com or on our sports on Facebook and Twitter and you can catch up our shows and listen to them again. And soon we'll have the app that will be able to do, be able to live or listen to past episodes on there too, which will be the easiest thing to do. Um, but for now, speaker.com and Facebook and Twitter can help you with all that. Um, all right, folks. Um, schedule for the rest of the week. Uh, tomorrow night, Inside the Room, we'll be previewing WWE WrestleMania Backlash. We'll talk about all the other big things that are going on in the wrestling big headlines from wrestling over the last couple of weeks. We'll be a lot to talk about the show since we're right after WrestleMania. So, um, so a lot of, so you wrestling fans out there, finally we're back. We'll start bringing back tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, Eastern time. Make sure that you tune in. It'll be a big, big, big show. Tuesday night. At 9 o'clock, that'll be our post WrestleMania backlash show. And then, of course, we'll talk about Monday Night Raw and all the rest of the fallout from that particular show. 
Um, so inside the ring tomorrow night, nine o'clock Eastern, and then we're inside the ring Tuesday night at nine o'clock Eastern. So if you remember that, Friday we'll have a sports sprint at two o'clock. Playoffs now on the way. More the playoff whatever else we have to cover, we will cover on Friday at 2 o'clock. So that's our next sports schedule for next week. Sports sprints Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 2 o'clock for Eastern Time. And then another inside the ring, like I said, on Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. We'll schedule for next week. With that being said, folks, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you back here tomorrow night for Inside the Ring at 9 o'clock, Canadian Time, and Sports Friday at 2 o'clock, Canadian Time. Have a good one, everyone.